becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Passing note of the song, glimmer, glimmer of the ship in the sea. It is the first episode of 2021. Woo! Yeah! <clears throat> Do you think 2021 is going to be any calmer than 2020? <laughs> I love how today... <laughs> before yesterday, I would have hoped, yeah, yeah, hoped yeah, for hopeful. that. Um, I, I think probably just acknowledging it at least, and then we can okay. want to sit on that one. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Yesterday was January 6th, and what happened to the Capitol was a absolute fiasco. <sighs> yeah. My, 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 so I don't know. I don't even know what happened exactly. There's so many things flying around, but I think my favorite commentary was somebody posted one of the pictures of these absolute wild men dressed like Vikings or something and, you know, uh-huh. just picking up furniture and smiling and waving and just said pleasure Island. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the scene from Pinocchio when everybody's running around just destroying stuff and thinking that they're having fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could just leave it there. Yeah. We're not going to try to analyze it too much. I think part of the reason just staying away from it right now is to me, people have jumped on it and, and not allowing kind of that to unfold. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of the, I kind of want to see this unfold a little bit more before commenting on it. Yeah. Same. I think it'd be worth coming back to. I also have been very, uh, I haven't been following it very closely other than seeing it happen yesterday. I haven't seen much of the response today Yeah, just by nature of being busy with other things. Yeah. He texted me. He was like, have you seen? I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was entrenched in uh, entrenched in uh in numbers and finances and yeah. all that stuff yeah, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know what 2021 is going to bring, but I think I have two primary sentiments so far. Okay. And you know, the last episode we talked about whether or not there was going to be a natural sense of um renewal that you would feel just based upon the turn of the year, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of it, what else is going on. And I had felt that a little bit. Yeah. Um, over this last week, have you had that sense? Uh, I think I'm conflicted in that area. Yeah. Uh, definitely feel the pinch as far as like, uh, you know, us being a, you know, restaurant drinks and Mm -hmm. food and beverage area. Right. Still feeling the pinch and also being in Austin too. I know other places like someone's going through Fredericksburg the other day and it was like off the charts. Everybody was out. Mm. (laughs) And I was like, well, when we drove through there end of last year oh, on our way out to West Texas, it mm-hmm. looked normal mm-hmm. other than the, um, sort of like every other girlfriend and wife had a mask on, yeah. but like none of the boyfriends or, or husbands had masks on, which is interesting. That was very interesting. Yeah. Was, I don't know what that means, but we both noticed it. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That could have been anecdotal, but it was, it was, it definitely stood out to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, but other than the circumstantial, which mm-hmm. is that we're still in a pandemic. We're yeah. still on some level of lockdown mask up kind of, mm-hmm. um, do you feel any sort of like, maybe I'll use the word spiritual mm-hmm. sense of renewal that comes along with a year turning over? Yeah. I've never been a new year's Eve, like goal setter, you know? Right. Um, <clears throat> I think just more of a relief that 2020, the number 2020 is over. Yeah. Except, uh, <clears throat> the year 2020 is going to make us say its name for the next nine years. <laughs> totally. We're going to have to say happy 2021. <laughs> True. Happy 2020 two. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, I was out with Elia and we were watching the fireworks. Uh, the rest of the kids had gone inside and I did have a moment of sort of like, Oh my God, how did we get through that? Yeah. So much uncertainty, so many, so much confusion, um, it, it just seemed like everyone was going off the, off the rails, you know? And, uh, I'm not one for drama in general. Yeah. And 2020 was a year of so much drama that I'm just sort of like, okay, I'm done. Done. Right. No more, no more and drama. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah. So, well, so. the sense that I had was something like, okay, 
maybe it's that, you know, circumstantially nothing's really changed, but mm-hmm. with a new year, there is some sort of an implicit promise. A new year brings a promise of potential. It's almost like a new life, a new, you know, like a, a baby is nothing but potential. Mm-hmm. That's why we all love babies because they're nothing but potential. Mm-hmm. A new year has that same kind of promise. Yeah. You know, we don't know what's going to happen or how it's going to go. And, um, but we are free to imagine any possible scenario. Mm. That seemed to, to me, I could feel that have something of a lifting effect on my, on my spirits. Yeah. Like, okay, I can start thinking ahead now in a way that I quite couldn't quite in, you know, last, last year. So yeah. that, that's been good. <clears throat> Anything in particular like that has kind of grabbed you for that, that newness, that, that next <clears throat> it's more of an orienting thing. Okay. <clears throat> I don't think anything's grabbed me yet, but I feel better oriented mm-hmm. towards or to towards being available mm-hmm. to something. I think there's a lot of things that I want that I'm not articulating very well yet, or that I hope for that I'm not articulating very well yet. And I feel a bit more prepared to do that mm-hmm. if not ready and if not able, but I feel a little bit better prepared. Well, why don't you feel like you were prepared beforehand? Like, what was there anything that you can? I mean, again, I'm I'm kind of pushing, keep pushing yeah. on this area, but well, twenty, as you said, twenty twenty was just so confusing. Mm-hmm. It it was very, it was a very disorienting year. Yeah. Um. You know, I think maybe at the beginning I did feel somewhat prepared for something. Yeah. But it wasn't <laughs> what came down the the pipe. Yeah, I feel like we talked about that maybe on the last podcast or maybe it was one of the un unpodcast ones that like I feel like 2020 for you was a really big sh- transition shift. Like mm-hmm. so much of the stuff that you'd kind of like were building and moving and stuff like that. And then 2020 came <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Punching the balls. Yeah. I hope to get some of that back. Yeah. You know, but the other thing that I've been feeling over the last week in conjunction or hand in hand, maybe with Mm -hmm. this sort of vague sense of renewal or hope of renewal, maybe is this very strong feeling that life is hard. (laughs) And we were talking before the podcast and you said it actually first. And I was like, I've been thinking the exact (laughs) same thing. Like, why is that up for us this week? Yeah. Like just this very simple statement, life is hard. And in myriad ways. Yeah. But I've just been keep confronting that feeling, that thought every day. I keep coming to in that area of life is hard that it's something that you have to accept that you can't, even when things are good, like that, I think that there's something in being able to release into good times and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think most of life, is remembered through the hardships, hmm. you know, not, not through when it was good, hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, I can even think of business, like most of the things I'll recount to people like business wise is all the hard things I've, I had, I went through and had to learn from and grew through, you know, like those are the most impactful moments for me, you know? Is it, is it because difficulty is impactful or what comes through difficulty mm-hmm. is impactful? Is yeah. there a distinction? I think so. Yeah. What comes through difficulty is what is impactful. Because mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think we as humans we really like change, you know, and 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 I think without difficulty, we won't change. But the thing is, is in not changing, difficulty difficulty comes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, because not changing is the same thing as stagnating. Mm-hmm. And we don't respond very well to stagnation. Mm-hmm. It's like we'll break something just so that we're not, you know, whether on purpose or subconsciously. <laughs> Was that uh, Dostoevsky who talked mm. about that? If if men, oh yeah, have everything and have nothing to do but busy themselves with pleasuring themselves and mm. procreating the species, they'll set out at once to break something just so something interesting happens. Yeah. I heard that song back in the nineties. Don't know what, oh shoot. But the bleed just to know that I'm alive. What is that song? Oh, hurt. Is that it? From nine inch nails and Johnny Cash redid it. Maybe. Do you remember it? Uh, not, I don't, I don't remember the lyrics. I felt like it was I will make you ch- hurt. 
No, no, no. no that's a good one too. But oh. this is more of a cheesy '90s song. Oh, okay. But anyways, <clears throat> to bleed just to know that you're alive, like to to have some sort of feeling, like some sort yeah. of. Anyways, I wish I was a singer like you. I would just well, rip it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes sense, and even like the the sort of maybe the perversion of that is that people do actually bleed just mm. to know that they're alive. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll cut themselves yeah. just to remember that mm-hmm. they're alive. Yeah. Or if something's too good, then they'll break it because they're not, they can't accept that something can be good too. Mm. Like yeah. there's that, there's that aspect, which I kind of feel like I'm kind of in that area almost <laughs> like, okay, wait a minute. It's too easy. <laughs> Let's make this more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's an idea in, maybe it's a philosophical idea or maybe it's a scientific idea, but the idea of parsimony, mm-hmm. which is that it's, it's um, I think it's sort of a synonym for Occam's razor. Maybe Occam's razor is the, is the scientific version of it and parsimony mm-hmm. is the philosophical version, but it's the mm-hmm. idea that the most likely right answer is the simplest answer. Mm-hmm. And which is interesting um, because that intuitively kind of makes sense. <clears throat> um, but if we tended to see things like that normally, then we wouldn't need uh, a rule of Occam's razor or parsimony yeah. because we tend to want to muck up that water for some reason. Yeah. Like don't, we don't want the simplest answer. I don't get it. Like why? I mean, if you look at us like, um, just evolutionarily throughout time, it seems like the more conscious we become, it's like the, the more we kick, we kick against it and want to go back to our primal, our primal being, you know, uh, as far as, you know, uh, tribalism or fighting, like there's a sort of like aspect to us that, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm reaching here, but I don't, I don't know if we're, I don't think we're very uncomfortable with consciousness, you know, like we have to deal with the unknown and part of, part of dealing with the unknown is, is dealing with the uncomfortableness of, of the unknown and releasing into that. Uh, Cause like when you're when only dealing with the known, you don't have to, it's already known like you're, you don't have, you don't have to change because it's already, uh, it's already in your peripheral of, of consciousness. Uh, I just realized I used a bunch of word salad just then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. I'm searching. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was searching to grab that, but I, I didn't grab it very well. <clears throat> well, maybe let's try to be less ab- abstract with it. Okay. Um, so I think one of the things that I've been feeling with life is hard is that, The laundry's never done. Mm-hmm. The dishes are never done. Mm. The rooms are never clean. Yeah. And obviously this is not true. Sometimes the laundry is done, but it doesn't last. Mm. And it, there's always, there's all, it's like everything is degrading constantly, which is interesting because that entropy, mm. that state of degradation is natural to the world. Yeah. Um, I think my... My dad was telling me about a book that he read in which this guy was saying that if, if, if you took a metropolitan area and everyone abandoned it, it wouldn't be more than something like a hundred years before it just wasn't there anymore. Hmm. It's like, which we all know this, your house falls apart <clears throat> and it's not just from use. Mm-hmm. Things just fall apart. Mm-hmm. That's their natural state. <clears throat> um, and then you add into it, you know, the laundry's never done because we keep wearing the clothes and the dishes are never done because we keep eating. And um, so everything's in a constant state of degradation and, and it, it takes constant upkeep. Mm. Um, or even in the just breathing, like your car. talks about like, you know, if you don't use your, your nostrils, you breathe through your nose, right. they actually start to close up. <clears throat> yeah. And your nostrils, apparently, if you only breathe through your mouth exclusively, will completely shut down. Mm-hmm. Um so this is built, it just seems built into life that if you are going to live any sort of 
functional productive life you are in constant battle with the keep with the keeping up of things hmm. and the more you have the more you have to keep up with whether that's children or you know house bigger mm-hmm. house more to keep up with um more cars more to keep up with whatever it may be yeah it seems like there's just constantly something ready to fall apart mm. and there's not enough time and energy that's how i've been feeling the last week yeah but you <clears throat> to attempt to tie that into what you were saying um with this idea of being uncomfortable with consciousness the only reason it seems to me that we're uncomfortable with consciousness is because you know maybe this is a simplistic definition of consciousness but i've been thinking about consciousness as knowing what the future is mm-hmm. um which i think is an idea i got from jordan peterson but when you're conscious, you know that you are going to exist tomorrow and the next day and the next. And so your decisions are no longer about the here and now Mm -hmm. the present, because that only solves one very small part of the problem. Mm. You spend all of your resources now, well then you're screwed tomorrow and you're aware of that. Um, Mm. So we're uncomfortable with it because, well, what does the future hold? it holds possibility mm-hmm. and that possibility contains both who you might want to be and the good things that you want to happen. Um, you know, your kids are successful, you're successful, you get things that you want or hope for, mm. but also holds the inverse of that. Yeah. You know, somebody dies or you die or you lose the things that you've been working for or the house that you've been struggling to keep up falls apart beyond your ability to repair it. And so that potential, like all of that's within the potential. Yeah. So of course it's uncomfortable (laughs) because which is it going to be? And the thing is we get to decide which is going to be, but we only, the the way that we decide which is, which it's going to be is to engage it. And that takes work to make the, to pull out the potential that you want from the future. And, push aside the potential that you don't want. It's almost like uh, you would, it sounds, or would you, would you say that consciousness also is a sort of uh, a degrading thing too? If you don't, if you don't take care of it, if you don't, hmm. if you don't exercise it, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Surely. I think, I mean, if you don't, well, if you don't, practice planning for next week, mm-hmm. then next week's going to take you by surprise. Mm. If you don't practice planning for next year, then next year's going to take you by surprise. Yeah. I don't know that your consciousness degrades, but you can certainly uh, block it out to some extent. Well, I would just think like, you know, uh, it, it almost seems like there's this, there's a part that, like in developing your consciousness and awareness of the future and, you know, making plans and projecting into the future, it seems like that would also grow your awareness. And, and the more practice you have with that, the greater, the greater that you will be able to plan and uh, project into the future. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's relative to the individual, but that if you don't do that, then it becomes more of a subconscious action and, and even more so an unconscious action. So it's like, you might not know, like I would think like early, um, (laughs) Zargoon actually got into this, (laughs) this last week, but like, um, you know, there's this idea, we did this whole like, like thought experiment as, uh, you have a farmer, you have a bunch of farmers, in the, you know, 20,000 years ago that, that plant these plant seeds or whatever it might be. I think 10,000 or 10,000 BC is when the agricultural revolution happened. But anyways, um, and they find out like, Oh wow, well this guy actually plants the seeds at this time and they grow, but they don't know it in that way. They're just more experiencing it. And so they're like, Oh, we'll just follow what Joe does because he always gets a corn, you know, 
but they don't know that they're, it's actually that's it's on a moon cycle or, mm, right. you know, it, 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 that's not a conscious awareness, but then at some point it becomes a, an awareness, a conscious aspect where it was subconscious beforehand. They're like, Oh, Joe's successful. You know, maybe it's because he skips and hops before he plants, you know, but he always does it at this time. So we're going to skip hop and dance and plant at the same time Joe does, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm thinking about Luca, uh-huh. my dog, <laughs> You know, there's certain things he does when he's hungry or he mm-hmm. wants to go out. Yeah. I, I don't think that he's conscious in the way that he's like, if I do this, then I get this, mm-hmm. you know, like I can change my future based upon behavior now. Yeah. It's, it's almost more of a mystic thing. Mm-hmm. If I do this rain dance for some reason, I get food, mm-hmm. you know, like I have a desire and I'm going to do the rain dance and then the food shows up and I'm a happy dog. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know? And then the idea is like, so after, you know, hundreds or thousands of years, someone's like, huh, you know what? Every time we do this, the moon is always right there, you know? And it's always at this time of like whenever the sun is, there's less sun or more sun or whatever it might be. And so it starts to shift into like more of a conscious awareness of their environment that, and then they start planting in that way or something like that. But I think that more to describe in the description of that is there's a lot of things that we do or observe that we don't understand why or how we're doing them. But at some point we kind of come into a conscious awareness of, of those things, you know? So, Mm -hmm. so I think that's where I would see like by the, by practicing awareness. I mean, there's a whole, the whole, what is the uh, meditation thing? Um, Mindfulness. Mindfulness. Yeah. I think that kind of, it kind of has a little bit of, of that aspect to it, but, but that we don't, if we don't practice it, it does slip into the subconscious and then into the unconscious. That's interesting. So if you're not practicing consciousness Mm -hmm. and maybe that can be defined as being aware of the future or properly awake Mm-hmm. to what the future might bring, mm-hmm. then your awareness recedes into the subconscious. And I, it, it seems to me that when that happens and then you move into the future, you are now at odds with your subconscious and that can manifest mm-hmm. in, in um, things like anxiety mm-hmm. and extreme discomfort Yeah, because because you weren't aware of the future. Now things are just happening to you. Mm-hmm. You're out of control. Yeah. Uh, three, a couple scenarios when, when you said that was just, it's interesting because there are some things that you possibly have control over. And then there's things you don't have control over, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, a tornado comes in and tears down your house. You know, it's like, yeah, you didn't have control over that. There's nothing you could project into the future that, um, well, maybe you get insurance, you know, <laughs> tornado insurance. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, <clears throat> there's, there's something of that. maybe. Well, yeah. So there's certain aspects of the future that you can't be aware mm-hmm. of. You can't plan for, mm-hmm. but you know, maybe you can plan for the category of things that you can't be prepared for and hedge against it that way. Well, I think that's the part of like the, even the cold shower aspect, you know, the, this idea that you, um, like I'm willfully submitting myself into an uncomfortable position so that I can learn to deal with it in a time whenever I don't, I'm not necessarily in trouble or in stress. Conscious exposure to discomfort. Yeah. Conscious discomfort. Yeah. Unnecessary discomfort. Mm-hmm. So it kind of trains you to, <clears throat> um, yeah, what were you saying? Well, I said unnecessary discomfort, <clears throat> but Wim Hof would say cold shower a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <clears throat> but I feel like I do experience that. I mean, I, I, that concept makes a lot of sense to me. And, I, and as I, play around with this idea a little bit more. I think, I think there is something to that, that exposing yourself willingly to stress, um, is actually more beneficial than, um, than always trying to make your life comfortable. Hmm. You know, if you're always trying to make everything you do comfortable, I think there's a certain amount of like you, certain part of you kind of goes to sleep. Hmm. And then when actually real trouble or hardship comes, Physically, you freak out. Yeah. You know, it's like, ugh. Like, yeah, your nervous system, because mm-hmm. it hasn't been exposed to that stimulus, overreacts. What even makes me think about, uh, you know, Peterson talks about, like, if you don't see yourself as the Nazi guard, you know, or, you know, if you mm-hmm. can't understand the depravity that you're capable of. Yeah. 
if you can't imagine yourself as the Nazi guard, then you're unaware of some things about yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. I think there's something really powerful in that, that, you know, even with the people of whatever side you disagree with, you know, and, and, and not being able to look through their eyes or comprehend, it seems like there's also an othering that we do to people by not being able to put ourselves as uncomfortable as it might be in their shoes and try to look at, I might be stretching this a little bit. No. So, well, like take it back to the earlier formulation that Mm -hmm. be that being conscious is an awareness of the future. And what is the future? Well, it's Mm -hmm. nothing but potential. Mm -hmm. It contains everything. It contains the Nazi guard. It Mm -hmm. contains, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, Gandhi. Mm-hmm. it contains Mother Teresa, it contains Stalin, mm-hmm. you know, or, or at least what they represent. Yeah. Um, so if the future, you know, on some particular given time scale contains all of those things, um, then to properly deal with moving into the future, I use the word properly, but it's maybe to fully somehow mm-hmm. deal with moving in this, into the future, then you have to grapple with the possibility that all of those things mm-hmm. are there. Are true, yeah. Are, are, or could be. Could be true. Could yeah. be true, mm-hmm. right? So if, if I want to be... <clears throat> um, was, in order to not use the sort of like trope uh, or cliche, like if I want to be rich or something, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have a very... Um, it's like a, a childhood dream of being a pilot and owning a plane. <laughs> yeah, totally. okay, so I'll use that. It's like, if I want to do that, I mean, that is possible, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how exactly, like it requires me to make a lot more money that I do and mm-hmm. in many hours of training and a whole different lifestyle to support that. And, you know, who knows how I get there. But if I, <clears throat> but there is something in me that says, if you want to do that, you can, mm-hmm. it's going to take a long time and a lot of hard work, but <clears throat> If I'm going to, <clears throat> man, um, <clears throat> struggling here. If I, <laughs> maybe whiskey. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Clears mucus. Um, if uh, if if you want that, then you have to be properly aware, or that 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 is possible. And if you're going to be aware that that's possible, you also have to be aware of the opposite thing, which mm-hmm. is possible. Well, along those lines, I find myself struggling with the more I understand what it takes to do something. Like before, when I first started a business, it was like, oh, I started a business, oh, whatever. And you just start, <laughs> you just jump in and you start flailing, you yeah. know? And at some point, you sort of float, you know, but you're still kind of going under, you know? Right. And you're just learning as you go. But, but now when I think of starting something, I'm like, wow, in order to really do this, it takes a lot. You know, yeah. Even with our podcast and stuff, it's like you're thinking about in order to really do this, you know, you know, especially when we do video and whatnot, it's like there's a, there, it just takes a lot to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ask myself, do I want to do that? Mm-hmm. And I think that's hard. I don't know what the podcast, but like with. It's harder to answer that mm-hmm. when you have a better understanding of what that answer contains. Yeah. The cost. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Well, so maybe that's part of it. It's the same idea of seeing through the eyes of the Nazi guard Hmm. is you have a better understanding of what it really takes to manifest what you want out of the, Hmm. the possibility of the unknown future. Yeah. You now know something more about it than you used to know, Mm -hmm. or at least you, you have experience because I've seen two different sides of the coin in a lot of these areas. I've seen, let's just use famous people, for example. I've seen people who become famous that hadn't worked, let's just say, hard to get there. Mm-hmm. But then they had to work hard once they got there because it was it was hard. It was hard work. Well, generally speaking, people who get, maybe we'll say accidentally famous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, It usually crushes them crushes them mm-hmm. i mean the three examples that come to my mind one macaulay colkin ruined that kid um he's kind of like seems to be coming around now but it's mm-hmm. been what 
25 years. 25 years, years yeah. Um, He's 40-something now. Kelly Clarkson, mm-hmm. she won the very first American Idol, mm-hmm. went on to make a top hit record, and then disappeared mm-hmm. for years. It's too much. Bobby but, Fischer. Bobby Fischer? <laughs> Who's Bobby Fischer? <laughs> chess guy. Oh, the chess guy. Did he? Oh, he, he's completely off-grid now, right? If not, if not dead. Like that. Yeah, we don't, I don't know yeah. what's up with him. Um, and then the third was Adele. Like Adele is maybe one of the most talented people, singers to come around in a long time. And she Mm -hmm. got uber famous and then it crushed her. Mm -hmm. She went away for a while. Yeah. I think there's that part too. Is like, and then you have these, um, like even like a Tommy Lee Jones, like you don't hear much from him, but he's like, there's also a wisdom I think with that. It's like, no, I like my privacy. He's super famous, but uh, again, I don't, I, I don't know him from. Well, it just makes me think, you know, I think we've all encountered, maybe the, the word is jealousy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm working on something. It's not working out for me. Mm-hmm. And this other person's working on the same thing and it's working out for them. Yeah. And why, <laughs> you know, are you sure that if you had what it is that you want, mm-hmm. it wouldn't crush you? Like, are you sure that now is the time that, that it isn't, that the blessing isn't actually yes. that you don't have it yet? Mm-hmm. Like, that's actually the blessing that you should be thankful for. I'm more and more in that camp. Like, I think it can come the other way, too. Like, it, it, but <clears throat> it almost might be harder that way for it to come quickly. Right. Than to, to grow into it. Um I'm of that belief, but I feel like you can kind of get to this. You can kind of get it to the same end point or the same, um, uh, fulfillment in whatever that is that you might be. But mm-hmm. one, one's putting a lot of work on the front end and one has to put a lot more work on the back end. Right. Which I find it probably on the back, on the other end, it's harder to do that because like if you're putting in the work on the front end, you're already committed and you're already, you're, you're, you're going through the bruises, you're getting beat up and you're still going right. Where on the other side is like, you you sort of have it and you can kind of like, you can kind of just coast, you know, and, and maybe makes the, but it's like, I don't think there's as much incentive to really, well, especially when it comes to things that give you public exposure, mm, it's much, yeah. yeah, it's much harder to do the work on the back end Cause you end up, you know, falling apart and then mm-hmm. shaving your head and it's on national television because yeah. you're Britney Spears and you got famous at 14 or, you know, <laughs> or every other week you're changing your style from like a, a <laughs> one thing to another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm goth. No, right. I'm something else. So I want to pull it back because I think yeah. the word we haven't said yet though, we haven't said it yet, but I think that it's really what we're talking about is responsibility. Hmm. Like to, so life is hard. Mm-hmm. Why is life hard? Because it's constantly falling apart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and why, why care about that? Mm-hmm. Well, because we're aware of the future and we know that's going to affect us tomorrow. <clears throat> and that if we do some work on it today, our tomorrow won't be as bad as it could be otherwise. <clears throat> and it occurs to me that that's, that's what responsibility is. Hmm. You know, you can look at it from a simple perspective. You know, why do the dishes tonight? I'm tired because tomorrow won't be as bad as it could be. Mm-hmm. And that's being responsible. Like, being responsible, responsibility is such a strange word because I don't think we have like a colloquial um, working definition of it that's easily articulable. Mm-hmm. Does that seem true to you? <clears throat> and did I use the word colloquial right? <laughs> <laughs> it's too many things. Uh, as as you know, I'm not I'm not the I'm not a good vocabulary. I, I use <clears throat> words. <laughs> I, I use and words. I just, and I just make sure if everybody like nods, I'm like, okay, I use the right word. <laughs> well, I didn't bring my iPad to tonight's recording, so I can't look it up. Uh, I guess I can look it up. No, don't worry about it. Um, but I think for for me, like responsibility is that there's a certain ownership that you take of something. Right. And I feel like that's the, I think that's an important aspect of that. Like whether it be, um, 
Because there's, I mean, there's so many examples of this, and I just just to use like a lot of, um, um, uh, what do you call them? Anecdotal. You know, it's like you have the guy who's always just doing just enough to get by, mm-hmm. totally capable of so much more. Not even just so much more, just minimally more, which is huge. You know, like just pays rent, plays video games. You know, doesn't. Yeah, again, I'm being kind of mean here, but. Um, and but, I don't find anything about that mean. Well, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to paint a certain picture of just that somebody who is capable of more than what they are. Like, I feel like everybody, no matter what your capability is, you're always capable of more, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when we're not moving towards that and taking responsibility for what we have, sort of like, even like whenever, uh, you know, in the Bible where Jesus talks about, uh, everyone's given a certain a talent, you know, and some people go and invest it and it gets 10 times more than what they, mm-hmm. what they did and five times more. T- and then someone's like, well, I didn't do anything with it. Cause I knew that you were a hard and a hard man. You know, it's like in that you give what you did not sow or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's just this idea of like, like you have this certain gifts that are for humanity and for other people and that if you don't develop those things and take responsibility for what you have and what you're capable of, it's like, you will not, you'll never be happy. Mm. And not only will you not be happy, it's like the happiness you could bring other people will not manifest itself. And what a shame that would be. It's a, it's a total shame. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> If doing the dishes tonight means that tomorrow isn't quite as bad as it would have been otherwise, mm-hmm. then what other things could you do now that would make tomorrow even less bad and even less bad until mm-hmm. you get to a point that the formulation starts to become, what could I do today that would, could make tomorrow better mm-hmm. than it otherwise would be? Mm-hmm. Like, not just not as bad as it otherwise would be, but like that, better yeah. than it might be, mm-hmm. you know, like even better than it might be. Mm-hmm. It's like you're tipping the scales of the future of the unknown, the potential. And on one side, you're undermining the negative that it could be mm-hmm. scooping that out of, of the potential and getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. But what would it mean to start tapping the positive side of the potential and, and guaranteeing that that manifests tomorrow by something that I do today. Mm-hmm. And I think, that's, a, that's another way of saying exactly what you're saying, yeah. which is that we all have that capability. <laughs> and, well, I would say that we every day forego it. Oh, dude. It just, it also, perspective comes into that because I feel like there's a lot of things that we think are better or best but that are not, but if we don't act them out, we will not know it. Mm. Um, and the reason why I, 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 I kind of clicked on, clicked me onto this was that you remember, uh, was it a couple of nights ago? It was, uh, Stella's birthday talking about the bing, bing, bing. So it's like you run a, like you kind of do a, uh, a snake across a line and the line's reality. And every time you hit that, the line, it makes a bing sound. And it's like, so, so like it's at points you can be like so far away that the being is like 10 seconds or 30 seconds <laughs> apart. But then as you start to hone in, that binging sound starts to like come louder and louder and it's a magical space. It's I think like, you're going to have bing, to do bing, bing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. For, the, for everyone listening, which is everyone, everyone. <laughs> you have to do a better job of explaining this. I know it's, it's really hard to, but well, so, so you were talking about how like our chaos and order. And I was about to say lived experience, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a different kind of bing that comes with certain terms. Um, well, our, our day-to-day consciousness, I think mm-hmm. can float towards or away from reality, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Yeah. And I think we all know that. I mean, daydreaming, for example, is, mm-hmm. um, floating away from reality. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put daydreaming in that. I think they're like, I think, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah, but I, I would say, right. I'd say this because like, I feel like there's a certain part of daydreaming that actually brings you closer to reality sometimes, mm-hmm. but, uh, well, so, mm. okay. Sorry. <laughs> Real. No, no, no. Yeah. Real world example. Mm-hmm. You're driving down the highway and, um, all of a sudden you feel that those ridges on the side of the road, mm. it's like, bing, 
you're on the highway going 85 miles an hour, pay attention, mm -hmm. you know? And, and you were giving this example where you sort of held one, your left arm out straight and then used your right arm to sort of cross over mm -hmm. and snake back and forth over and the left straight arm representing reality mm -hmm. and the right snaking arm representing you. And we have these experiences and this is very, um, abstract maybe, but it made sense to me and, and to the other people listening. I think that, um, when you were telling the story that that makes sense, you, you encounter something in your life that bings, mm -hmm. you know, it, it vibrates or it lights up or it, you, you, you feel awake and engaged and excited or maybe convicted mm -hmm. or, but, but it's an awakening. Yeah. It's a vibrancy. A, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, often positive, but, but also can be frighteningly negative too. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of like an encounter with, with what? I mean, we were describing it, you were describing it as an encounter with reality, but it seems like almost too simplistic. Well, I mean, it could be like, you know, uh, God, truth, mm -hmm. reality, uh, existence, the universe. <laughs> I feel like that's whenever people use those, it's like everyone has these like times where they kind of like find something. It's like, it really resonates with them, you mm -hmm. know? And then, and then you also, but the thing is that never, you, you're never able to stay there. Right. And, yeah. And so one thing is like, I think we, then we try to get back to where we were, but that's not the point is to get back to where we were. It's about moving forward and, and correcting and, mm -hmm. and, and being aware. And I feel like the more that we become aware and then we're able to hear that or feel the bing, you know? Yeah. Cause maybe sometimes you cross, you cross that line that would normally <laughs> set off the bing mm -hmm. and it doesn't, mm -hmm. you don't feel it or you don't encounter it. And to become more aware of it is to become more aware of, well, of it, mm -hmm. but also of yourself in relationship, in relationship to it and where you are. Yeah. I think marriage does a lot. Like mm. it's, you know, it's like you're, there's a confusion because you're also, you're also with another person that you're, 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 you're coming through this life with. And yeah. it's like, there's these moments where you see things about yourself that you're like, Oh, damn, mm. you know, or, or any relationship too, friendship too. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like a lot of, a lot, a lot of your own, your own being, your own conscious is mirrored back at you. Yeah. You know, it's like when I interact with you, you're also mirroring back to me my own consciousness, my own, uh, uh, my own, um, uh, uh, I don't have a better word for it than consciousness, but yeah. I feel like that's not really the right word for it though. Hmm. But I feel like there's something in relationships that's also, it mirrors back to you something about yourself and that can either be a good thing or a bad thing. Well, they tend to give us relationships tend to give us our bearing. Hmm. They give us awareness of where we are. Mm hmm. I think which is why the, why people go insane in solitary confinement. You don't interact with anyone else. You have no idea where you are. Uh, reference point. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that's so huge. Like we have to have reference points in our life. And, um, I mean, up until recently, like family was a huge reference point, you know, uh, because reference points are something that has to be very significant and solid in your life. You know, uh, I think, uh, religions fit into this category too. Um, um, your friendships, but I, if you don't have something that is that travels with you through time, I feel like there's something that you you miss out on not having constant reference points. You know, someone who can say like, "Hey, no, you're being a shit." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like it's like they know they know you're. I'm like, I also knows all my you know sidesteps and stuff like that. And right. it's like, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, <laughs> I totally did that. You know? And, yeah. and I can see why, why things go South because it's like, I'm not willing to change. Hmm. Like, and you know what? You represent that change to me hmm. and I don't want to change. Hmm. Yeah. Because that reference point, that relativity, <laughs> well, it reminds me of relativity. I mean, <clears throat> it isn't possible to know whether you're moving or not from a physics perspective. Uh, <laughs> All you can tell is whether or not you're moving relative to something else. Mm -hmm. 
So if you're floating out in the middle of space, <laughs> so you is. could be going 49,000 miles an hour, mm-hmm. but there, but what does that mean? Yeah. Well, it don't, it only means that something is moving 49,000 miles an hour relative to you. It could be moving towards you or you toward it. There's no way to know. Yeah. So <clears throat> you need the reference point to know anything about yourself. Yeah. Otherwise, isn't that crazy? Like, so like, so I think this is, again, goes back to the Nietzsche's, <clears throat> Nietzsche's point is like, you know, if, you know, if God is dead, it's like, what do we do? Hmm. Like, what is our reference point? Well, yeah. So back to the idea of, um, the potential of the future mm-hmm. and carving out the most positive parts of it and bringing it into reality mm-hmm. as we move into it. Well, how positive could that become? Yeah. The only way to conceptualize how positive that could become is God Mm -hmm. or whatever that means, whatever that God idea is a placeholder for. I think you can also think about it in terms of the most positive possible Mm -hmm. extraction of the future, the potential of the future. Mm -hmm. So if we get rid of God, well, then we get rid of the potential the positive potential of the future mm-hmm. bit by bit, you know, we, the, the, the amount of it recedes more and more, the more we disallow the idea of God. Ooh. So what are we left with? Yeah. We're left with ultimately stagnation, stagnation or constantly mitigating how bad things can be. And that mm-hmm. line will continue to encroach upon us until the entropy takes over mm-hmm. and the natural state of degradation isn't stopped. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the idea of heaven? Hmm. It's that the, the, the natural state of entropy is kept up and then surpassed to the point where everything becomes shiny and perfect mm-hmm. and, and suddenly nothing degrades anymore under the sheer will of consciousness acting responsibly in the world in a perfect sense. I would have, I'd even like, I would even go as far as like saying like heaven is the, res, is the lack of resistance, you know, so that, so that there's like continual growth without resistance, you know, but maybe we don't need to get into heaven. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so as, a, as you were talking about that, I was like, I was like well, oh, we're yeah. mixing metaphors. Yeah, we are, we are. But, but maybe we're not. I mean, I'm fascinated with this idea that, well, (laughs) that the only way that you can understand the world is through metaphor. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, So mixing metaphors is, is well necessary to understanding. And I'm also fascinating with the, fascinated with the idea. Well, I think that one of the reasons that we killed God in a Nietzschean sense Mm -hmm. um, is that we became so scientific that we, decided that nothing was metaphor anymore. And then you get, what what is the um, Christian sect that uh, is, uh, what's the word? Like, um, like basically every word of the Bible is literal and real. Uh, A lot have kind of gotten away from that, but like Southern Baptists have kind of known for that. Generally speaking, there's another one though, that fundamentalist fundamentalists that, that like, will only read the King James version and, insist that every word is literal and it it doesn't matter, but well, like, why would you ever do that? And I think the reason you would do that is because we, you know, post enlightenment and post science, we've become sort of, maybe we did become obsessed with this objectivity that, um, truth is not to be found in the potential of the future, Hmm. but it is to be found in the objective nature of the world of the now of the, well, yes, of the, like, how, like how it's separate from it. time mm-hmm. it, and that I'm in over my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this is good. I, we, we probably won't be able to, to bring this one down, but I think there's something really cool here. Like as you were saying that, I was like, I was thinking like with science it's more about the now, like, yes, it's like, you're not looking, you're not looking into the future and what is, I mean, I feel like that's where you have like, uh, you know, the, um, uh, what do you call them? Not fantasy novelist, um, space. 
Oh, science fiction. Science fiction. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's all right. <laughs> you know, science fiction is like is like dreaming of what is possible, and then then bringing our, our our understanding up to that place of what is possible. I mean, someone has to dream up these ideas yeah. before you. You know, it's like in hypoth and then form hypothesis of what is mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. And so, I think the dreaming part is such a. Um, so the science part is is more of like bringing things down into concrete, you know, or as concrete as we can make them at this time in this point. Right. But it's a point, but that's not, they, they can't stay in there. I mean, everything that we've learned so far in science is that there is a deeper and more developed explanation. However, science helps us to bring some of those things down into a, uh, into a, uh, experiential understanding of those ideas and dreams and thoughts, you know, of how the world works. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. Well, and it's, it's enabled us to, to do that so much more effectively than we Mm -hmm. could back in the, you know, 10,000 BC when we're noticing that, the guy who does the rain dances, seeds seem to grow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Now we have, we've evolved a scientific method to actually explain that and harness the power of that. And now everybody gets to grow the seeds and you don't have to do the rain dance because we know that it has nothing to do with it. (laughs) Exactly. But now it's like growing seed in other places that couldn't grow seed before. Right. Yeah. Yeah, We have, uh, what is it? Hypoponic hydroponics. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I'm just fascinated with the idea that we part of the death of God is that is the is the um not accepting a metaphor like heaven or like mm-hmm. the kingdom of heaven because it sounds so stupid, mm-hmm. you know. And we talk about it, we came to a point where we talked about it within Christianity as if like it's a place. Mm. And we will go there someday. Yeah. And God, it seems so much more powerful to me to talk about it as if, well, what is heaven? Mm-hmm. It's everything as, is as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what we've been talking about all night long. We just weren't using religious terms for it. Yeah. Like we have an aversion to using religious terms because they seem to have lost their meaning. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're not powerful anymore. And so we have to rediscover them. Yeah. And even the idea of, you know, the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is here and now. Mm-hmm. And or within. Yeah. Or, or within, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, that's ridiculous. Of course it's not. Mm-hmm. But under this other formulation that we were just talking about, using terms like consciousness and mm-hmm. future and potential, yeah. all of that makes somehow perfect sense. Mm. The kingdom of heaven is here and now. Of course it is, because I can make tomorrow better than it would be otherwise. Yeah through my conscious will mm-hmm. through responsibility and how good, I mean, how good could I make tomorrow? Mm-hmm. We don't really know. Yeah. There isn't really a limit. I mean, nothing's stopping me. I mean, it's incremental. I can't make it the best that it could be tomorrow, but I can make it better than today and then tomorrow better than the next. And this is back to the idea of relativity. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, how good could it be? Well, heaven. That's, that's, heaven. that's how good mm-hmm. it could be. And it isn't a place that you get sucked up into, you mm-hmm. know, or raptured into necessarily, no. but a place that you actively, well, not only go towards, but actively create. Hmm. That's fascinating. What's kind of gnawing in the back of my head as you're talking about this is why do we resist or choose not to like what like what well because life is hard (laughs) we want shortcuts maybe i don't know well i don't think it's even that we want i mean of course we want shortcuts who doesn't want a shortcut i mean we all well we all want you know to wake up rich famous or whatever Mm -hmm. i mean of course as we said you should be careful with that because maybe the blessing is that you don't um but I don't even think it's about shortcut. It's, it's about the idea that like, it's really hard. Hmm. And it's in some sense, it's much easier to be like, well, 
even if I did nothing tomorrow won't be that bad Mm -hmm. and making it incrementally better Mm -hmm. would take a lot of work on me now. And I would rather just watch my show. And that's where you do. That's like, I think there's, it's interesting. Like I think there's two, uh, maybe three, maybe four different ways in this. And obviously probably hundreds of variations of this, but how could today, tomorrow be better how could tomorrow be not as bad and how can I make tomorrow worse? Yeah. And avoid doing that. You know, how can I make tomorrow worse? How can I make other people experience the pain that I am feeling? Which is what a lot of people fall into. Yeah. Like I want other people to suffer. Like I am suffering. My pain isn't justified. Mm -hmm. I need someone to join me in it to feel the injustice. Mm -hmm. Well, that's exactly, I think what was behind the sentiment or it was the sentiment behind a lot of the things we saw go on this summer in terms of the rioting. Hmm. How so? Well, my pain is not justified. Someone else needs to feel it too, to know that it's real. Hmm. And so I'm going to make it. I mean, oh, another way to interpret that and just to, just to be contrarian here is, is in order to, and I need, I need, I'm going to act out in this way in order to, um, so that other people can experience something that needs to change, not just for me, but for other people also that cannot and will not, or can't, are not able to express it or to, to bring other people into that understanding of the suffering. That is a perspective you can take. Yes. Cause I was just thinking like, <clears throat> again, like, uh, uh, we'll just go with a, like, a an oppressed people, um, uh, shoot, I, I can't, I can't go there because it's like, it, it, anytime you act out in a way that you are wanting other people to experience suffering is never, I don't think it ever, it ever, it never yields a positive outcome. It's like, like, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that, there's, so like a, there's any benefit to anyone saying I'm going to make tomorrow a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can tack on to the end of that sentence that makes that a positive thing. Mm-mm. Like you can't say I'm going to make tomorrow a little bit worse so that people wake up yeah, or so that people become aware mm-hmm. that doesn't net a positive for anyone. I mean, that's the same kind of thinking that causes someone to say, I'm going to fly an airplane into the Twin Towers Mm -hmm. so that people see it doesn't work. It only breeds more of that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's the thing is I think of whatever you extract out of the potential of the future does breed more of it. So Mm -hmm. if I extract positive out of the potential of the future, it breeds more of that uh, going forward. I mean, everything like Martin Luther King, you know, it's like, yeah. I have a dream. Yeah. Like his dream was a better future for all people. And that became a powerful force even after he died. And he was willing to suffer, you know, name calling, physical abuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, but the thing is, he saw a better future mm-hmm. and, and almost to the degree, and I, I don't know if he said this exactly, but I mean, he's, he talks about love so much. He repeats so many saying the themes throughout all of his speeches. Um, I've only made it through like half, but he's thrown a lot of shit. Uh, but, uh, uh, oh, now I lost my, um, but yeah, it's like, but he was, but he saw a, he saw a better future for everyone, you know? And it wasn't like, um, and he kind of brought us along, and suffered for that also, you know, yeah. it's like, I think there's something huge in that. It's like, we, I think we all have a certain calling in that area. It's like, there's a certain amount that we're called to suffer in order to bring a better future. And each generation I think has a different call on them, mm. a, you know, different situation, you know, whether you're rich or poor, you're called to a certain amount of suffering, whether it's seen or unseen. <sighs> Well, in order to bring a, a better future. Yeah. Let me try to reframe it. I don't know that it's necessarily that you're called to suffering. 
but I think that it's that you're called to extract much as much positive out of the potential of the future as possible. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> doing that <clears throat> necessitates suffering because it is foregoing something now hmm. for something in the future. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's the, well, that's what sacrifice is. Mm-hmm. And sacrifice always entails, well, I mean, it's, it's akin to suffering. I'm, I'm foregoing something now, whether that's comfort or lack of pain mm-hmm. or what I want. I'm foregoing <laughs> it now yeah. and taking on pain, discomfort, mm-hmm. not having what I want contending with that now so that tomorrow is as good as it can be. And I think you, well, that works. I think of so many immigrant family stories I've heard of like, you know, children of parents of parent, the parents move here and work their asses off to provide a better future for their children. Yeah. And a lot of those people come from, you know, nations and places that are horrific and they see the potential in the United States to be able to make a life and a future life for their family. So it's not even just ending with them. They're also thinking of their kids and possibly even their kids, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is fascinating. Well, it's so fascinating because if you can imagine making your tomorrow better, Mm. Well, then what does it make mean to make your 10 years tomorrow better? Yeah. And then what does it mean to make your 30 years better? And at that mm-hmm. point you have kids. And so what does it mean to make their lives better? And you can play that game all the way out through your ancestry or mm-hmm. not, sorry, not ancestry, your progeny. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? And it works. And all of a sudden you can start behaving in a way today, tonight mm-hmm. that will make a difference to your great, great grandchildren. Oh, that's so good. And the thing is, it's not even a stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. It's true. And we know it's true. <clears throat> yeah. And <laughs> that makes the hair on my body stand up. Well, it, it frustrates me a little bit. Like, why do we not, why do we not right. do that? And I think that's the, that's the hard thing is, is calling people to action, calling people to realize their potential. And I think there's a part too, is like, there's a lot of emphasis on victim. It's like, how have you been wronged? What do you have going against you? Mm. What are the obstacles in your way and whose fault is that? Rather than being able to say like, you know what, what do I have? I have $5 in my pocket. If I do this with this $5, it'll give me $7. This $7, if I do this, it'll give me $20. You know, it's like... Well, it just makes me think about the other side of the sort of dead metaphors. Hmm, You know, well, maybe not quite fair, but to describe sort of the idea of heaven and the kingdom of heaven as a dead metaphor. Mm -hmm. Well, the other side of that dead metaphor to the kingdom of heaven is hell and Satan. Hmm. And the idea that there's... There is always something whispering in your ear mm-hmm. saying, you know, that stuff probably isn't going to happen anyway. And, um, you know, tomorrow's not going to be that bad. And you've had a really long day mm-hmm. and you've done a lot. And, you know, what's it going to matter if you take something for yourself now? You deserve it. Yeah. And the metaphor is Satan. Mm-hmm. But the, well, maybe what's, what is the, the, the other way to look at it is that we all know that voice. <laughs> like, you know, the voice that I yeah. just said, or whose fault is it that you're where you are right now? And there's someone actually, else's, someone else's. And there actually might be real life. Like, no, that person did have an injustice towards you. Right. But you still can't act out of that space of, you know, it's like at some point, I think that's why forgiveness is such a huge thing that it was introduced into the Western world. Um, specifically, you know, it's like, uh, because I don't think you, I don't think you can move forward in time without being able to forgive and to move into the future because, yeah, because if if you don't forgive somebody, then you're always stuck in the past. 
And it's like the only, the only person you're doing injustice to is yourself because you haven't, you're not letting that go and forgiving somebody and let, and like taking it off of yourself and saying, Hey, you're responsible for how, what you do with this, but I'm not going to hold that anymore because I'm letting that go. You know, mm-hmm. and like, um, there's a release in that, that when we forgive someone or situation or even ourselves, it's like we're released into our future potential, our future self. Right. Oh, I like that. Released into our future self. We're not stuck in the past. Yeah. Yeah. In a prison, you know. Which also requires a willful act of, well, a willful act. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is a willful act to say, I release, well, it's kind of like I release myself. Mm-hmm. I release myself into the future. Yeah. I forgive you. Mm-hmm. I take off those shackles. Yeah. That's a miracle, really. Yeah, it's huge. It really is. Hmm. It's like, it's like so, uh, so impactful. Yeah. What do well, you think? I think this is a great place to end it. That was a yeah, awesome conversation. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, that's, I think right now, uh, just for you guys listening, Matt and I have been just rolling through so many different topics and thoughts right now. It's hard for us to, so you're actually just hearing us uh, obviously throughout all of our (laughs) podcasts, but like uh, just working through like all the different, you know, real life situations, uh, whether it be kids or business or, yeah. And I, I, I was thinking about this today too. We're Matt and I were kind of talking, joking about like having two podcasts, one with shores of ignorance and the other as uh, 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 our island of knowledge. Mm. <laughs> Cause the whole quote is, is as my island of knowledge expands, so do the shores of my ignorance. And so just to kind of refresh that idea of like our island of knowledge is a sort of like experience and understanding and all the things that we've kind of learned up to this point, you know, not that we know everything, but that we've kind of learned up to this point, you've kind of built this Island. And then out on the shores is where everything is a little bit more uncertain. And then you have this huge ocean that's before you and it's sort of the unknown. And that's where you encounter change and uncertainty and fear and, you know, so many things that kind of like, will. Um, but however, as you encounter that your Island grows and your knowledge and understanding, uh, grows, but also your shores do too. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is by having another podcast called Island of knowledge is kind of talking about more current events and, and right. Cause that's something that happened. We also want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like we like talking about current events as well, well which that that's been kind of a, le- a learned lesson from 2020. I totally, think. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, we're throwing around the idea of doing more of that, mm-hmm. but maybe as like a sub sub thread of this podcast. Yeah. So our shorts of origin could be more of a, our philosophical, spiritual, existential uh-huh. part in the Island of knowledge would be more of the, what's going on in the world going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's fa- I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Who knows? 2021 <laughs> potential. It's a newborn baby. <laughs> it's a newborn baby. <laughs> what will it be? A soccer player? <laughs> Rugby. <laughs> Rugby player. Um, <coughs> or, all right. or ballet. Or ballet. You know, whatever it <laughs> whatever wants, it to, wants be. to be. Um, okay. Thanks for listening, a y'all. Um, a furry. <laughs> I forgot about furries. <laughs> I did too. Fur- Furbo? Furbo? That was one too, wasn't it? I don't, I, uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank y'all for listening. Yeah, thank you guys so much. We love, you. love y'all. Yeah.